Now, folks, here's what I'd like for you to do. I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. We're going to look at verses 11 through 18. And we're going to wrap up our study today in Galatians. We're finishing up our series. Our series was entitled Accepted, Experiencing Grace Day by Day. And so we're going to wrap it up. And, and really what's going to happen today is Paul's going to give us the bottom line. The bottom line to the whole letter, the bottom line for you and I in our Christian lives. And this has been really, to be honest with you, a very relevant letter. This is not just an issue that existed for the church 2,000 years ago. In their instance, it was because of people who were coming in and telling them that they had to keep the Jewish law, that basically they had to become Jews in order to be accepted with Christ. It was good to have faith in Jesus and what he did, but you also needed to do these other things. You say, well, George, we're not struggling with that. We don't have people coming in telling us that we need to be Jewish. No, but we do have folks who are in our churches, and, and some of them, you know, their motives are not impure. They're, they're right motives. They're only doing what they've been taught or they think they should. But they come along and they say to you, that in order for you to be accepted with the Lord, in order for you to experience his blessing, in order for you to have favor with the Lord, you need to do these certain things. And if you're not doing these certain things, then you are not going to experience him the way that you should. You're not going to be blessed by the Lord. You maybe are not a good Christian. And so those things that we see today are often communicated in terms of rules and regulations. Don't do this. Don't do that. Dress this way. Dress not. Don't dress that way. Don't go here. Don't go do this. And, and, and you need to spend this time in the Bible. And you need to spend this time in prayer. And you need to give. And even some today are saying, well, you need to vote this way. Because if you're a true Christian, you will only vote this way. Folks, none of that has anything to do with your acceptance with Jesus. And that's what we've been seeing throughout this letter. And Paul's going to sum it up today for us. None of that has anything to do with your acceptance with Jesus. Your acceptance with Jesus is because Jesus died for you. Jesus paid the price for you that you couldn't pay. Jesus did what you could not do. Because the reality is, is you can't do anything for your acceptance. He did it all for you. And that's the whole issue of faith. Your faith is in what Jesus did for you. Not what you did for yourself. Did you understand? That's what salvation is. Salvation is trusting in what Jesus did for you, not what you did for yourself. And so we're seeing that here in this passage. So I want you to look with me. If you have your Bibles, we're going to look at verses 11 through 18. This is Paul's closing statement to them. But there's some powerful truths that you need to understand here. So let's look at it together. Here's what he says in verse 11. See with what large letters I have written to you with my own hand. As many as desire to make, good, make a good showing in the flesh, these would compel you to be circumcised, only that they may not suffer the persecution for 
the cross of Christ. For not even those who are circumcised keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For in Christ neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but a new creation. As many as walk according to this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Now, here's what we're going to do, folks. We're going to basically divide this last few verses of this passage into two sections. Two sections. We're going to first of all see that he's going to warn us about effort-driven people. Did you hear what I said? Effort-driven people. These are the folks who want you to do certain things in order for you to have your acceptance with Jesus. These are the ones who subtly come to you and they say that you need to do this. Sometimes they're not subtle. Sometimes they're just flat out saying, if you don't do this, you're not a good Christian. These are effort-driven people. He's making a final warning to you. He's basically giving you the bottom line about these folks. And then what we're going to see is, is that once we get through that, we're going to see what Paul says is true spirituality. Do you really want to know what it means to be truly spiritual? He's going to give you three things there. And we're going to see that in the end. So let's talk about it first. Let's look together at what he's saying here in verse 12. Now, you're saying, well, I thought we started off with verse 11. Well, verse 11 is just a point that he's making here that this part of the letter he's writing in his own hand. What do you mean he's writing in his own hand? Well, what some of you may not know is, is that the Apostle Paul dictated his letters. Because remember, he has an eye problem. He has an eye problem because of the experience that he had on the Damascus Road when he saw the Lord Jesus and was struck blind. He regained his sight, but it was never fully what it was before. And so he had others write his letters. And in the end, he would write in his own hand what he was saying in the end. And he, of course, is saying that to us in verse 11. But notice now what he says in verse 12. Here's what he says. As many as desire to make a good showing in the flesh, these would compel you to be circumcised. Only they may not only that they may not suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. For not even those who are circumcised keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. Now I'm going to share five things with you from these two verses. Five things that you need to be aware of when it comes to these folks who are effort-driven. First of all, Here's what Paul's saying. In the very beginning, he says this. As many as desire to make a good showing in the flesh. So these folks are trying to make a good showing 
in the flesh. What does that mean, George? Well, here's the point. The real issue is how they appear to others. The real issue is how they appear to others. Can I tell you, we have a term for it today. It's been around for a few years now. These folks are basically, are you ready for this? Posers. That's what the issue is. They want to present the appearance that they got their act together spiritually. And by, quote, doing the right things, they look like they have their act together. So by their giving and by their attendance, by their answering Bible questions the right way, by all of these things that they're doing, they're basically posing, they're trying to make it look good, they're trying to make a good showing in the flesh, as Paul would say. It's about how they appear to others. That's really what the issue is. The issue isn't about how they are with God, the issue is how they look to other people. Whoa, isn't that interesting? Kind of brings up a question. So when you think about how you are spiritually and what you're doing in church, and what you're doing among other Christians, what's the real issue here? Is it an issue of your heart truly wanting to serve the Lord and being led by his spirit? Or is the issue, which is what Paul's bringing up here, is the issue that you are wanting to make sure that you look good? That you look good to others? See, this is what the issue is with effort-driven people. The real issue is how they appear to others. Here's the second thing I want you to see. They compel others to be effort-driven. They compel others to be effort-driven. Look at what he says. These would compel you to be circumcised. In Paul's day, it was that these effort-driven people were wanting the folks there in Galatia, the Gentiles there, to become Jewish, basically be circumcised, keep the law. They were compelling others, just like they were, quote, trying to keep the law, and they were wanting to make a good showing in the flesh that they were doing all the right things. They wanted other people to act like they did. So they were compelling others to be effort-driven. Have you noticed that with these folks? It's not enough for them just to say, well, you know what, I feel convicted that the Lord wants me to do it. They go one step beyond that and say, everybody else should be doing this. Everybody else should be doing this. And if you're not doing this, you're not a good Christian. You're not a good enough Christian. So here's what I'm saying. When you, this is a warning. You recognize that, number one, they're doing it to look good to everybody else, and that's not enough for them. They want to compel others to do it. They want to compel others to do it. Here's the third thing he points out. They are motivated by personal interest. They are motivated by personal interest. What do you mean by that, George? Well, look again, verse 11. Only that they may not suffer the persecution for the cross of Christ. For not even those who are circumcised keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast 
in your flesh. They're motivated by personal gain. Two things he's saying here. Number one, they're motivated so that they don't get any kind of flack from somebody else. In Paul's day, they were basically saying, because they knew that they would be persecuted if they, if they said not to keep the law. So they're saying, okay, keep the law because they don't want to be persecuted. Paul's experiencing the persecution because he's telling them, no, you don't have to. So they're motivated by what they're getting. They're also motivated by folk, the fact that they can take pride in and be boastful about the fact that they got other people who are doing the same thing now, who are being effort-driven. So they're motivated by personal interest. You and I have seen that. You and I have seen where people are motivated by making sure others keep rules and laws, spiritual rules and laws, they kind of put like that, that's a feather in their cap. They're leading others in the right way. They're motivated by personal interest. Here's the next thing. The problem is, is that they cannot keep the law themselves. <laughs> that's, to be honest with you, is the dirty little secret. Have you noticed that the folks who stress the most that you need to do these certain things can't do it themselves. Can't do it themselves. Because nobody can. Remember, we've already talked about that. Paul's spent a lot of his letter pointing out that there is no way for you and I to keep the law perfectly. In fact, if you, you may keep the law, you even if it's like, oh, I'm good at 90% of it. Well, the fact that you're not good at a 10%, Paul says, you've broken the whole law. You've broken the whole law. In fact, think back for a moment because this, is, this whole issue has been a discussion throughout the early church. If you go back to Acts chapter 15, verse 10, here's what Peter says in that great Jerusalem council where they're discussing this issue. He says, now therefore, why do you test God by putting a yoke on the neck of the disciples which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? So if you look at that scripture, he's saying to you, look, we weren't even able to keep this law. Why are we wanting to put it on someone else? See, these folks, folks, they're wanting to put it on someone else. And they can't keep it. Because nobody can. Paul's making that point. They're, they're personally motivated to get you to do it, but the fact is they can't do it themselves. They can't do it themselves. And here's the final thing I want you to see about them. Getting others to follow them only adds to their pride. Getting others to follow them, getting others to, to direct them, quote, in the right way, of, you know, address this way, carry this Bible, and uh, do this and do that and all of that, that just only adds to their pride. That's really what the issue is, how they're looking and how they're feeling. It feeds their egos. They're ego-driven. That's the whole point here. Effort-driven people are ego-driven. That's really what the issue is. It's not that they're being led by the Spirit of God in their lives. It's that they're being led by their ego. Look at what I'm doing. I keep my devotions. I pray. I go to church. I give. And you'll hear them say those kind of things. They justify themselves by, I do this, I do this, I do that. And look, folks, 
you got to be aware of them and you got to be, you got to mark it down in your mind, whoa, I better be careful. Because they're leading me, as Paul's already told us in this letter, into a direction that only brings defeat. And some of you, can I be honest with you, if you look at the spiritual defeat in your life, I wonder sometimes if it's because you're trying to satisfy in your mind that you've done what this other effort-driven person has, quote, shown you or told you to do. And you're frustrated right now because you can't be like them or do what they said you should do. And the fact of the matter is, nobody can. Nobody can be perfect in doing that. I think all of us understand that, right? Nobody can do that. So that brings us to then what Paul's going to tell us here in our letter, these closing words, what true spirituality is. Because I think that's what we want, right, folks? We want to be truly spiritual. We want to live with the acceptance of God in our lives and recognizing that. We want to live experiencing the grace of God day by day in our lives. And we already know it's not because of our effort. That only leads to defeat. And he's told us to beware of that. But now we see there's three things that you and I need to be aware of about being truly spiritual. So I want you to notice with me verses 14 and 15 and 16. He says this in verse 14, But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Verse 15, For in Christ neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but a new creation. Verse 16, as many as walk according to this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. All right, so here's the three things I want you to see about true spirituality. Here's number one. Our boasting should only be in what Jesus' crucifixion did for us. Our boasting should only be in the cross. Do you hear me? When you talk about true spirituality, to be truly spiritual is to understand that it has nothing to do with you. Do you hear me? It has nothing to do with you. If you're going to boast, if you're going to take pride in anything, take pride in the fact that Jesus Christ died for you, you understood that, and you reached out to him. It has nothing to do with anything else. It doesn't have anything to do with where you go to church. It doesn't have anything to do with how much you give. It doesn't have anything to do with how much you read your Bible. It doesn't have anything to do with any of that. All that other stuff is just pure rubbish. In fact, that's what he says in Philippians chapter 3. Account it all as rubbish. Garbage on the garbage pile. If you're going to boast in something, boast in Jesus. That's the point. True spirituality recognizes in humility, in and of myself, I can't do anything for salvation. I can't do anything for his acceptance. It's all Jesus. And it's because of the cross. 
It's not me keeping these rules and regulations and who I vote for and all this other stuff. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. Do you see? It's that simplistic. It's truly grasping your spirituality is because of Jesus. Here's the second one. Second thing I want you to see. Spiritual transformation by faith alone is more important than your effort. What's more important for Christ, what's more important for God is that you are transformed by his spirit, not because you did something or didn't do something. In fact, isn't that what he's saying here? Look at what verse 15 says. For in Christ, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything. So he says, in Jesus, it isn't an issue whether you were circumcised or uncircumcised. That's not the issue. The issue is, is that you are a new creature in Christ, which is what? Salvation, which comes through what? Faith alone. Faith alone. Spiritual transformation in your life by faith alone is more important than your effort. You and I have to own that. Quit being defeated because you didn't give enough or you didn't do this. Some of you are defeated because you listened to some TV preacher telling you you didn't have enough faith. If you had enough faith, this could happen. You would have a healing and your wallet would be big. That's a bunch of baloney. It's not anything like that. It is purely, are you listening to me? It is purely trusting in Jesus. That's what brings about what God wants to see in your life, what's important with him. So then there's a third thing. Third and final point, we see it here in verse 16. And as many as walk according to this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. Here's what I want you to see. Continuing to live by faith in Jesus Christ brings peace and mercy. Brings peace and mercy. You understand, when you think about it for a moment, when you're living by effort, what does that bring in your life? I'm going to tell you right now, it doesn't bring peace. It brings defeat, guilt, because you're not doing it. But here's the problem. It's never about you doing. It's about what Jesus did for you. And so if you're living your life by faith, trusting in him, if you're living your life led by the Spirit of God, then what that does is that brings into your life peace, peace to your soul, that everything's okay. Mercy, experiencing the mercy of God in your life, knowing that you're forgiven, that he's taken care of you, and that he's accepted you for who you are. See, these are the three things. It's not the effort-driven folks. Be aware of them, stay away from them. But it's true spirituality based upon what Jesus has done for you. Based upon what Jesus has done for you. You say, okay, George, what do we do with this? How do we take all of this, these last few months that we've been looking at this letter, how do we, how, what do we do with this in our lives as we wrap up this series? 
What do we do with it? Well, I've got two things I want you to think about. Okay, here's the first one. Be cautious of someone who is pushing you to effort-driven spirituality. Part of the issue isn't just knowing that Jesus paid it all for you and resting in that. Part of it is you have to be on guard. Because it's subtle, folks. It's subtle in our day and age to have people come and impose upon you their viewpoint and what they think you should be doing as a Christian. We have a lot of that going on today. And it's very subtle. You can say, oh, you know, I went over here to, oh, you went there? I didn't think Christians go there. And you're like, man, I didn't know that was a problem that I couldn't go there. Why is it a problem? And then they tell you their opinion. And you're like, oh, you know, I, I kind of, well, maybe, maybe I shouldn't go there. Is no, no, look, you need to be cautious. You need to be cautious of what people are pushing you to do in an effort-driven manner. If you don't see it in the scripture that you should not be doing something, then you need to be, you need to be cautious. There are principles to guide you and to direct your life from the scripture. But you need to be cautious. You need to be aware that it is a subtle thing to get you to be effort-driven so that you remain defeated, spiritually zapped. You need to be cautious because it's all around us. Boy, is it all around us. And it's even being stressed even more today. Something that you need to be aware of. Here's the second thing. Living by faith alone is a choice. Living by faith alone is a choice. You're going to have to make a conscious decision to live your life by faith alone, being led by His Spirit, versus being led by a strict rule system that somebody else has imposed upon you. That's reality. Living by faith is a choice. You have to each day decide, today, Lord, I'm going to be led by your spirit. Today, Lord, I'm going to be led by you. I'm going to live my life by faith in you, not in what I do because I know that I can do nothing to gain acceptance with you. I'm going to be led by you. It's a choice. It's a choice. And I'll be honest with you, the effort-driven thing doesn't take much mental power. What do you mean, George? I'm just telling you, if you're living your life by effort, you can just, quote, routine your life in such a way that you can do it without thinking. You can read your Bible without getting anything out of it. You can sing a song without even remembering what you sang. You can pray without remembering what you prayed. Because that's effort-driven. And a lot of us are there. I've been there. And that's something to think about, isn't it? Here's the thing, folks. Here's the underlying truth that we're finding in Galatians that I want you to take to the bank. Jesus did it all for you on the cross. And because he paid that ultimate price, and because by faith you accepted what he did, you are accepted with God and it's not anything that you do that gains that acceptance. 
And you need to guard your heart and your mind against those who would impose upon you spiritual rules and regulations. The only rule that you need to follow is the rules that he gives you. Love the Lord God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. To be led by the Spirit. And he will guide you in the right path to go. That's something for you and I to truly think about and embrace. Let me pray for you and I.